The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It is time for another edition of Fit After 40. Yes. We're, we're, we're after 40. We are after 40. <laughs> we're trying. And feeling to like it. <laughs> um, and, and today we're just going to kind of, we're, we're, we're spitballing a little bit because there's a sure. number of things that have have uh, have come up uh, recently. And one of them, when you were texting me last night, first off, let's start here. You said, we can talk about Connor McDavid's injury. Sure we could. And so we'll just, I want to touch on this Everybody a lot. Everybody wants to talk about it. Here's the thing. I mean, when you think about knee injuries, oftentimes mm-hmm. you hear about ACL, you hear about MCL. Yep. Most common. You, you hear about those ones, and those are the ones that a lot of us deal with. But when you're looking at what he's dealing with, I'm like, I don't even know what it was. A PCL. PCL. Posterior cruciate. So you've got four major ligaments that uh, surround the knee. You've got some little ones called coronary ligaments as well that kind of hold the the cartilage down. Mm-hmm. But the major ligaments, the two that crisscross the knee, one is called the anterior cruciate ligament, and the other one's called the posterior cruciate ligament. The two on the side, inside and outside of your knee, on the inside, it's called the medial collateral ligament, and on the outside of your knee, the lateral collateral ligament, MCL, LCL. Uh-huh. There you go, everybody. There's the luster off of the knee <laughs> ligaments of the knee. They sound cool to call it an ACL and stuff. Nonetheless, the best way to explain what happened there, and yes, I was asked about it. I got a lot of text messages that night when it happened. The way that his shin went into that post, uh-huh. uh, you know, Obviously, the first concern was a fracture. He couldn't wait bare. Everybody thought it. And everybody's mind went to the worst case Mm -hmm. scenario, including mine, Um, especially when he couldn't get off. And I think he even mouthed the words, it's broken. Yeah, Yeah. And, and, you know, he probably felt that way because when you've got that much pain and that much swelling right away and you can't put weight on it, uh, there's there's no doubt he's a tough guy. So he, he would have for sure thought something major has happened. Now... When you the most common injury that we talk about is the anterior cruciate ligament and the mechanism of injury for that or what can happen to get that you see it in football players hockey players you name it if it's not a twisting action when your foot is in contact with the ground it, there's a there's a force that actually pushes from the back of your shin forward or the front of your thigh backwards. Mm-hmm. Okay, so somebody, a football player getting hit in the front of the thigh from the front can damage the anterior cruciate ligament or getting hit from the back of the calf with their foot mm-hmm. planted and that can cause a damage. Now, the exact opposite effect can damage the posterior oh, cruciate ligament. Yep. Okay. And if you watch how he went mm-hmm. into the post, his leg was in the air, the front of his shin went in, that pushed it backwards, posterior cruciate ligament damage. And so that's, that's what ended up happening with him tearing his posterior cruciate. Best news, actually, that of most of the injuries that could have come of that. So when you're looking at uh, ligament damage in the knees, and I know that a lot of people at home right now have just turned this up because they've dealt with it or their kids sure. dealt with it or whatever it is. When you're dealing with ligament damage um, and you know you can have a tear, you can have a partial tail, you can have a... Sure. All the way out, you can yep. have... Next thing you know, you're having surgery, you can right. have orthopedic stuff to clean... Or, or, or arthroscopic, arthroscopic, sorry, or to open. get it cleaned yep. up, or you're replacing ligaments from... Uh, you're taking ligaments from other places Allograft, yeah. All of these things. Because you know how I know that? Because I've done it twice to my right leg. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, but when you're rehabbing that, when you're looking at that, do you automatically need to, you know, okay, we got to we gotta go the surgery route or is there... No, so rehab? with an anterior... Cru- so let's, let's, let's solve that. So medial collateral ligament, lateral collateral ligament, 
PCL, very uncommon for them to do repairs of those ligaments. Um, they, they are stabilizing ligaments, but they're not prime stabilizers. The prime stabilizer of the knee is the anterior cruciate mm-hmm. ligament. And when it goes most often, the, the most common thing that goes with it is our proprioception, our ability for our knee to stay stable, and it gives away. And when you've got your knee giving away, that's not a very functional way to live our life. You're standing there brushing your teeth, and your knee collapses. You're playing catch with your kid, you step funny, and your leg collapses. Over time, not a good thing, especially because that ligament does play a role in keeping the tibia in a Mm -hmm. certain position on the femur. And over time, if it's not in that position, it wears away and causes other erosive kind of effects and then you have other problems arthritic type changes Mm -hmm. so an anterior cruciate ligament sprain or tear most often is repaired if it's a full thickness tear meaning it's torn right through so talking about grades of tear if you had a piece of paper a first degree grade just take a little tiny tiny bit of a rip at that corner and that's it that's a first degree second degree is anything from that all the way ripping through that piece of paper and it's just barely hanging on by a thread, that's all a second degree tear. (laughs) So second degrees are really tough to decide what's going to happen with them because they can be everything from a partial thickness, a small, to full thickness almost all the way through. Then you've got a rupture. It's gone. There's nothing holding on. That sucker's just floating around in there. The knee's giving away. We put those together in a big context and then the decision's made. Mm. When is it giving away? Is it giving away all the time? Have you rehabbed it? If you've rehabbed it for a certain period of time and it's still giving away and you're having problems, surgery. But no, just a tear in itself doesn't necessarily mean surgery unless you're a professional athlete and it's got an impact on your day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. You can't go back to work at an optimal level and you make $10 million a year, you're getting that thing repaired. You and I, we're, we might see how it goes, and mm-hmm. I don't mean see how it goes, but we're going to rehab it, and a lot of people with torn ACLs can still be functional in life. PCL, fortunately, very uncommon for them to have to repair it. Uh, he's a young, strong kid. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't even say kid. He's a young, strong yeah, young yeah. man. Yeah, you betcha. And uh, very fit, and he's got you know all the best technology at his disposal. So it'll be a nice recovery for him, should be. Yeah, knock on wood. Grant, yeah, when it comes we're all to for it. yeah, when it comes to rehabbing any sort of injury, I know it's very easy to to uh, start. You know, oh, I'm going to give it my 110. I got to do right. this. I got to do this, and then it tapers off. And next thing you know, you're not doing it. Right. Um. You know, it, it it is a true commitment and something you have to do if you if you want to make sure that you know a year down the road or five year whatever it is. Yeah. Um. That you're going to be able to function normally. That that rehab is a huge part. Yeah, and it's ongoing. You know, yeah. it's not just six weeks and I'm better. And, and with uh, with all of us, especially after an injury, the, the commitment to staying after it has to be there. And that's a great con- conversation for Fit After 40. If you've had a problem and you've done your, you know, your physio stint or you've done your management and it's doing well and you, you've been staying af- after it, just stopping isn't a good idea. <laughs> it is, it's kind of a, build it into your yeah. daily activity, into what it, whatever it is that you're doing. If you've come and seen a, seen a physio and you've gotten your rehab and you're given some extra exercises. I always say, you know, four to six weeks is, is the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. You, you might be feeling better, but that's not the end of it. Mm-hmm. If you sprain an ankle, if you tear a ligament in the ankle, the swelling goes away, you feel better and you can run on it. Guess what? One year from the time that you've sprained your ankle, plus histologically, there's still healing going on for up to 18 months. Wow. It's called remodeling. And so over that entire period, the healing, the healing process is ongoing and it's that time that you want to stay after it and mm-hmm. make sure you're preventing re-injury because re-injury causes 
Mm-hmm. More scar tissue, more mm-hmm. problems down the road, and then we're dealing with this in a much more difficult way later on. When you're dealing with injuries, like so, we're, we're talking over forty. Let's let's talk, you know, 60s, 70s into eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who uh, some of which are fitter than me. Yeah, 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 and and <laughs> other so. folks necessarily um, not fit and have an injury. I don't know, especially when you get older, you can have falls, sure. you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, and and trying to rehab at that point when you haven't had maybe the strength going into it, that's got to be really difficult as. Well. Yeah, it's, it, we start at a different level. Yeah. So everybody that comes in, that's why they're, that's why rehab is such a personalized thing. And and giving, you know, sitting on the radio and talking about it is one thing. But until you see a person, mm-hmm. you don't know. I've had patients that come in in their 70s and 80s who, you know, could put me to shame as yeah, far yeah. as their fitness level. So I can start at a much higher level than I can with somebody else. So it all depends on where you're starting from. And we build a rehab program around that starting point. So if somebody's not as good a shape, then we're going to have to start with things like something might be a one pound. Yeah. And I'll tell somebody, you know, you're starting with one pound and they'll say, this is light and they, they try it and it's not so easy. And then I go to two pounds. You got to remember from one to two, that's double. That's double. Yeah. Double. So you're not going to 10 yeah. because that's 10 times the weight yeah. on that, whatever it is, whether it's the wrist or the shoulder or whatever. And sometimes it's just the weight of yeah. the arm, you yeah. know, and you can't even lift it. So we bend the elbow because we're using levers. There's different ways yeah. for us to use body mechanics to make people more comfortable and rehab safely. And always the goal <laughs> is preventing injury during the rehab process. And yeah. I always say this, rushing it just leads to a longer rehab because all you do if by injuring it is add time to the end and so if we go through a better process then the total outcome might have a certain period of time be patient with us i'm just thinking about you know you know back you know weight training if you're starting just with you know bench press and you're using the bar you don't automatically then just throw you know 45 pound plates on either side you're not just automatically doubling from the bar weight up yeah and you're looking at five to seven percent increments so if you've got a you know the weight of the bar 60 pounds (laughs) you might only be adding five on each side and that's and that's hard. That's more than 10%. Yeah. So, you know, already you've got it. You've hit it on the head. It's all about doing things smart and safe and trying to prevent re-injury. So pain is a guide. It's not no pain, no gain. Grant Fedork from Leading Edge Physiotherapy joining us in studio this afternoon. Another edition of Fit After 40. Let's take a break here. When we come back, let's talk foot issues. Front of the foot issues because I had them when I was hoofing it just <laughs> last week. All right, let's talk toe issues. And again, if you have a question for Grant Fedork, you can text me at 630-630 or you can always go to leadingedgephysio.com. Click on the link. It says, Ask the Physio. Someone will get back to you, likely Grant. You, um, you want to say, hey, we need to talk about toes. We need to talk about feet today. Yeah, I've had a whole bunch of them come in, including my own. <laughs> and I think people who've listened to the station know I was on my feet a little bit. We got a chance to talk about it. But we yeah. were doing a lot of walking, a lot of standing. I consider myself to be very aware. I had proper footwear. Knew going into it, I was going to be doing a lot of walking and standing. And guess what? Didn't Still help. Still happened to me. Oh. So I ended up with something called metatarsalgia. And and here here I'm going to do another, you know, throw medicine under the bus a little bit. Metatarsalgia <laughs> just means pain in the front of the foot or pain under those metatarsals. That's that's the definition of. Uh, metatarsalgia. The actual diagnosis, though, often is what we call capsulitis, or inflammation of the little capsule that surrounds the joint Mm. at the very end of your toe. So not at the tip of your toes, but right under the ball of your foot. 
Oh yeah. That arch right there. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I've had light amounts of it over time. I do, you know, I've got mechanical issues with my own feet. I'm on my feet a lot. I do a lot. I look after them. I spend more money on shoes than anybody would understand and it's not because I'm a shoe fanatic. It's cuz comfort matters yeah. and I'm making sure I've got the right footwear, especially when I'm telling patients footwear footwear. So I make sure I've got it and I've got orthotics and you name it and I still ended up with it mm. from being on my feet from walking so much hills um, from transition from soft soft ground to hard ground, yeah. you name it. And it hurts. And it felt like, and for anybody who might have it out there, it feels like I had a marble right under the ball. It felt like somebody literally stuck, not a soft one, but a full-on <laughs> hard marble, the ones you used to flick <laughs> right under the second or third toe, yeah. right in there. And if you leave these things too long and, uh, and they're not dealt with, fortunately, I know what to do. I was doing all the, I was managing it well, icing in the evenings. Um, I yeah, you know, I happened to travel with uh-huh. certain things like acupuncture needles and uh, uh, and took my Advil because I had to. I was not going to miss that last yeah. day at the Masters. All that being said, I was able to settle it down. Um, but if you don't deal with it, you can end up with something called Morton's neuroma. And that's when scar <laughs> tissue starts to build around that area. And you actually end up with scar tissue around the nerve root in there. And your foot can go numb. You can get a numbness burning type sensation under those second and third toe. And now that's where a Morton's neuroma comes from. Yeah, and trying to get Morton's neuroma dealt with. It's not an emergency process. You'll be on the list forever and a day to get Much. it done at a hospital. You can get it done at a podiatrist's office if you need to have the surgery. That's right. But uh, once it's painful. It is, and they're tougher to deal with once they get to that point. Even they can be dealt with, though. You can do certain things in clinic to break down the scar tissue around that nerve. You can do certain things to desensitize it. You can do certain things to alleviate the pressure on it, such as an orthotic device or changing the um, the way that somebody's putting weight through their forefoot. Mm-hmm. We use a metatarsal pad, other different types of uh, approaches. So they can be managed but not always. Once that scar tissue has formed, if it's really a resilient type of, uh, if it's right up mm-hmm. on that nerve, then it needs to be removed, unfortunately, in order to get uh, relief, but you know, it, it's not the top of the priority. No, and for somebody, somebody like hospital. myself, it's so frustrating to have these injuries, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah, why yeah. I was like, I want to tell people it can happen to anybody. It happened to me. I was on it. It was very frustrating. I was quite concerned, uh, but I was able to get through it. You got through it. So you talk about, you know, when it comes to, to feet, and I, I had told you that, you know, one of my first trips to New Orleans, I ended up with turf toe. I could barely walk. It was right. incredibly painful. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to foot injuries, Gosh, they're awful. They are. And and one of the problems with foot injuries is there's no escaping them. You know, if it's your arm, you give it a rest. And it might might not be the right thing to do for it. But if you just give it a break, it might feel a little bit better. If, you know, if it's your elbow and you just stop typing for a little bit or you stop grabbing or gripping, you might get some relief from it with your feet. There's... Every time you yeah. try to move yourself from A to B, it's there. And Proper and footwear. Proper footwear is very, very important. Awareness, you know, knowing and yep. preparing. We've said that many times on this show, knowing you've got something coming up and making sure that you're not. One of the most common things I see with these foot injuries are people going on holidays and going from wearing a good proper footwear to all of a sudden going barefoot flip on beaches or flip-flops. Yep. You got it. Now, I'm not saying barefoot on beaches yeah. is bad. In fact, there's some evidence that says it can be very good for 
strengthening. But, you know, going for a two-hour walk on a beach when you haven't done it in <laughs> 10 years, is, it's not the best idea. That's like running a marathon without training for it. I just don't recommend it. You really want to build well, up it to it. It seems so romantic and lovely. Sure. And you know, you're sweating and your knees are sore. And you're right. And you've read something about it being good for your feet. So, you know, of course, if it's good, do more. Well, you know, they say red wine is, but you don't chug a bottle every day. Well, well some people do. <laughs> couple, before we run out of time here, um, Wes texted in and says, what can be done about hammer toes? And you also mentioned about bunions. Are bunions and hammer toes the same thing? No, hammer toes are when you're, you know, if you talk about your big toe like it's your thumb, yep. that's where you're going to form a, a form a bunion. It's on the outside. It's a bump that forms on the yep. outside of it. Uh, and that happens as a result of mechanics of the foot, a few other things, it, shoddy footwear, bad footwear over a period, long period of time, but almost always because of the mechanics of the foot forces your great toe starts to move inward uh-huh. and puts pressure on the outside. So those can be treated uh, quite successfully with different techniques, including radial shockwave. Now we've got very su- good success with it. First things first, it needs to be moving properly and we need to alleviate any of the inflammation and scar tissue that's formed. And a lot of times that's enough. Uh, when you've got scar tissue that's forming over a long period of time, it starts to build up bone. Uh, basically a deposit. Okay. It goes from enthesopathy, which is thickening of collagen, and turns into bone or calcification. Really? And once it's at that stage, even then, you can relieve that, you can relieve the inflammation that's there. Hammer toes are the next for kind of your fingers now, and you're off of your thumb and onto your fingers, the finger part of your toes. So number uh, two, three, four, five. Yeah. And what happens there is they kind of, they hammer, they, they move up, the knuckles start to stick up yeah. and protrude up. Those are called hammer toes. They often occur as a result, again, of mechanical faults in the foot, fallen transverse metatarsal arch which is that arch of the foot that's under, right what I was talking about yeah, when yeah. I was saying I have metatarsal pain, right under the forefoot you have an arch. And if that starts to fall, it forces, as a result, it forces the kind of the knuckle of your toes in an upward direction. That creates that hammer toe. Um, that's just one cause. The other cause of hammer toes is actually the first problem, which is I was talking about how you can get a bunion as yeah. a result of your big toe kind of crossing yeah. inward. That's called hallux valgus. I love dropping big words yeah. to sound like I know what I'm talking about. But at the end of the day, when you get hallux valgus, it starts to move inwards and that causes your your toes start to make space. Yeah, as a result, you get another mechanical deformity of those toes. Can anything be done with hammer toes? We correct, we try to correct that metatarsal arch and see if we can alleviate the pressure on them. That's about it. Otherwise, it's surgery to correct them if they get so bad that they're actually fixed deformities. I thought I saw something recently and I think it was for the bunion thing. It almost looked like a little sleeve you put on and it pulls the toe out that's well that yeah that's actually you can do that to separate the toes okay to leave a little bit of space in the yeah, web yeah. yeah and it's just a little c c it looks like a c on either side yeah and that can alleviate pressure as the toes start to force to one another mm-hmm. so with these kind of changes over time whether you use the term arthritis or not at the end of the day <laughs> you start to get an arthritic change osteoarthritic change because the joints start to actually take on that deformity yeah, yeah. As they wear away in that position. And I'm guessing what sometimes with that ingrown toenails become an issue as well. Oh, you know, certainly that all of these are issues that can occur with the uh, with faulty biomechanics of the foot, yeah. including ingrown toenails. We don't deal with ingrown no. toenails. That's uh, my my uh, colleagues, the podiatrists world, and and uh, fortunately we deal with the kind of the biomechanics that yeah, uh, yeah. problems and inflammation that are around the yeah, feet. Yeah, go to your GP, go to your podiatrist. Yeah, it comes, it's not hard to get to a podiatrist. No, it's not, especially in ingrown toenails and also callus 
calluses that form as a result. Those those need to be managed too. Um, so if you are listening, I'm not going to pretend to be a podiatrist, but we do see them. And one of the best, sometimes the callus itself is the problem and it's causing a lot of pain because hard skin that forms around these distal nerve endings, these digital nerve endings can become really painful. So if you've got really big, bad, nasty calluses, just leaving them be isn't a good idea. You can actually have them managed very effectively. Uh, yeah, I'm certainly here to help out. Take care <laughs> of your feet. By sending you to the right place. Take care of your feet, people. They're important. They're the foundation of everything else we do. LeadingEdgePhysio.com. Quickly, um, uh, time's running out to get in on the Run Wild. Run Wild is May 5th. You get last chance to sign up and help us support the Zebra Child Protection Center and all our other great charities is this Saturday at 11.59, runwild.ca. Thank you for bringing that up. I, I'm usually the one that I loves to plug that You're because welcome. it's our, our own charity, but thank you. 